And so that's our audience, and they're just never going to change. I know, right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the intermission. <laughs> this week we're doing the suggestion, and we asked for a whole bunch of intermission topics. And then instead of picking one, we just decided, yeah, fuck it, let's do the entire list. So if you sent us yeah. a thing, yeah, we're going to get to your question, like, now. Um, we are quintupling our productivity. Anyway, myself is always T. Christie, my friend Brian Lee Fanifter. Greetings. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. Hi. Now that you mentioned it, I do like the sort of feeling of, like, coming into it with the, the talking... Right? Well, that's, that's like an old yeah. school, you know, broadcast yeah. trick. Yeah. Uh, we introduce such shit. I feel like we should be talking... Such shit as we... As we come out of the intro, like to give the illusion yeah. of ongoing conversation. Oh, you can. Yeah. If you want. So that's why you don't touch other people's dicks. So that's why you don't touch other people's dicks. Oh, that's why you don't touch other people's dicks. Oh, 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 that's why you don't touch other people's dicks. Oh, that's why dicks. Oh, that's why you don't touch other people's dicks. Oh, that's why you don't touch other people's dicks. Oh, 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 that's why you don't touch other people's dicks. Oh, that's why you don't touch other people's dicks. Dicks. Don't touch other people's dicks. Dicks. Don't touch other people's dicks. Anyway, so let's go ahead and take a look at this list here. So I don't remember who asked me this. I should have yeah, saved the names if I knew we were no, going to do no, this. No, it's good that we don't because we're going to be very dismissive of some of these questions. Right. No one will know who asked these things unless <laughs> yes, we're you not going to name Twitter. you or right. shame you. The first yeah. question I think we got was period pieces like LA Confidential, The Sting, and Chinatown seem to be better written on average than contemporary films. Discuss. My answer to that is wrong. Next. Uh, my answer, as close as there, I think there is one, would be Sturgeon's Law. There's probably shitty period pieces that we don't remember. Oh, there's lots of them, yeah. So, you're just remembering the good period pieces that stick around. Uh, I wonder if it's a thing where, if to indulge the question one layer deeper, it could be a thing where it's referring to a culture that you're not as familiar with as the culture of outside my window today. If you like period pieces other than those three movies, almost as a rule, more than normal, original, current that movies. Is, you actually may be on something. In that case, we would, we would emphasize seem to be better written. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you're giving the movie has a little bit of a gloss to it of, well, that's not my reality. I guess people just talked like that right. or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's, we it, don't know really how people talked in the 30s, but we you know, hey, kid, 23 skidoo, small change. Rah, I mean, rah. you know, sounds okay. Sounds fine. That's it. Uh, so, so, I, so is it more of a thing that you just like that that stylization of that genre a little bit, maybe, and which is fine. Well, I think if anything, I think I, I guess I will, I will retract my previous statement. I think, I think Teague might be onto it that a period piece gets a bit of a pass because you go, kids don't talk like that. Well, right, we're talking about kids in the fifties when you weren't there, and you know, and maybe they did talk like that, as opposed to you know, a, a, a drama that's trying to be contemporary and everyone's like, you know doing hip-hop and talking about the Happy Days episode they just watched. Like, <laughs> like, that doesn't feel contemporary to me. Cool. Did you say doing the hip-hop? Doing hip-hop, I believe oh, is what I said. Right. Participating but, in the... In I the thought doing, you said doing the hip-hop. Doing the hip-hop. Although, the other day, Chloe asked I meant me... Do, I, meant, I, meant, I meant doing the disco, obviously. Oh, okay. Chloe asked me the oldest question she's ever asked me, which was, how do you put a gif on the Facebook? It's <laughs> like, oh my god. You just turned 30. You can't be like that now. Wow. Anyway, so here's the next question. How much is too much of a good thing in film? E.g., we are being overloaded with superhero movies. 
And again, well, I, the good, question is phrased strangely to well, me. Well, good, good thing is prescriptive. A little bit more prescriptive. Yeah. I think we have a bunch yeah. of superhero movies because obviously they make a tremendous amount of money and it gives the people who don't particularly like to make hard, creative decisions about things they haven't seen before the ability to go, well, people seem to like Batman or whatever. I don't uh, think the, the superhero thing is a good thing particularly no, for it's anyone. A, it's an extremely bad it's, thing. It's a... It's a well, it's a neutral. It's a, it's a, reli- it's a, it's a reliable thing. It's, it's a, nuclear it's a, power. Right. It's 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 two sides. It's yeah. Well, it's well, it's a, it's, it's a I'm, power I'm, that we wield. As I'm answering the first humans. part of the question is like how much is too much of a good thing, but then the second part of the question it seems to imply that superhero movies are a good thing, and yeah. I maintain that they are not. But because now the market consists of only superhero movies, I wonder if the question was maybe the spirit of the question was more of a in, in the in the service of the concept that at some point we get sick of blank movies. When does the genre jump the shark? When it stops making money. Yeah, I guess well, that's right. When, well, the, when the well, well, it's, a, it's th- yeah. There's the executive question, and there's the audience question. That's the, yeah. It's like when well, does it? When it's two different questions. When I mean, does it stop know. being good? And it's like, well, when do they stop doing it? Well, they stop doing it about five years after they stop making money off of it. Right. But it stops being good before that because people stop going to it and giving it their well, money. It stops. It can stop being good. It can never be good. In yes, fact, yes, even yes. though people even go it, to it uh, on the assumption that whatever we're hypothetical we're discussing starts off good. Uh, you know, it's any any franchise at all. It's like, oh well, it's the first Terminators were amazing, so Terminator Seven, sure. And eventually, <laughs> people will stop going to Terminator <laughs> movies, and then they'll stop making them for a little while. In the chat room, Jeremy Whitman says, "I envision the Transformers pitch meeting as this." Michael Bay sits in a room with a bunch of money men and says, "I'm going to violently fuck America in the face until they decide they like it." <laughs> and the sad part was, he was correct. Wow. I like having a stand up in the fucking chat room. This is great. All right. Third question. Uh, the future of movies in theme parks, uh, i.e., but I think you mean EG, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter or like Seven Dwarfs Mind Train and how they affect the brand of the movies expanding on the canon, uh, like the proposed Star Wars land in Disney or integrate it like Harry Potter thingy, uh, blah, 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 blah. In any case, uh, I that's weird because like my my entrance my entrance to the entire fucking media world started as a, as a non-canon Star Wars theme park ride, so that's you know trenchant I guess in that yeah. those things have existed before. I it's weird actually I hadn't really thought about this I, like the fact that they're making a whole theme park out of you know Harry Potter or surely there will be a Star Wars land. Yeah, Disney's doing a Star Wars land. Are they already announced that? See, fucking it's you, you I know can call the, it. I know the guy who's in charge of it. So oh. you know because I kind of. Spent decades in the theme park industry, so that happened. Yeah, it didn't occur to me that between your theme park shit and Star Wars shit, never mind. Moving <laughs> yeah, on. There's a confluence there, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, as, as a companion piece to the books, it's weird. I mean, it's kind of crash and sort of commercially, I guess, on one level, because it's <laughs> the only reason you're going is because you like those books, and it's weird. But then again, so is making a theme park based on a cartoon of this little mouse that you used to draw and put in little funny shorts. Yeah. So... I don't know. How, I, I don't have any negative feeling about it, really, unless I just keep thinking about it, I guess. But like when I was in uh, Florida, they had, they had maybe Harry Potter World or something at the Universal Studios that was the Dave School's on the back lot of Universal Studios. Yeah, Wizarding World is fairly new and, and it's been in Florida for But they've had years, some maybe. kind of Harry Potter installation there for a while, right? Yeah, there was, there was a thing they were building when now. I was there, but I don't yeah. think it's the same thing. No. Do you guys have like a strong, I guess Trey, you'd have the most opinions. I certainly have built a few of them, so yeah, there's that. If there was like, I don't have a particularly strong vibe on like how i feel about the fact that they took a series of novels and said we'll make a book or make a, uh, a theme park out of those books I, I, I think it's cool and great for the fans on principle as long as long as if the actual if product a, itself is good there's, there's and viable theme parks i mean yeah. this is not a new phenomenon i just had never actually thought about it before like, like if, I, there, if there's a demand for it 
in earnest, then I guess it's just like building permanent Comic-Con. Yeah, and I, I'm... Like a Comic-Con outlet store. Permanent Comic-Con. Full disclosure, I mean, I'm super fucking excited for Star Wars Land. I'll be there yeah. when oh, yeah. that opens. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's... If you're doing it well, if you're doing it right, then and it's entertaining, and it's, you know, there's crafts to it, and it's, it, if it's good, then sure. I, like, I don't have any... I'm not against anything in principle, generally. Just, I'm against bad things in principle. Oh. It's been ongoing. I mean, you know, it's... it's Disneyland has, you know, there's been a Cinderella castle at Disneyland for quite some time. So it's not like this is, you know, new stuff. It's yeah, but that's uh, the, the idea of it, the whole theme park being one fantasy world or, or start like, because Disneyland is a, just a bunch of shit thrown in no, together. No, has distinctive worlds. Well, no, I know. That's what I'm saying, though. It's a bunch of worlds. Yeah. As opposed to like a, a theme park where the entire thing is just Star Wars world or the entire thing is the girl with the dragon tattoo world. Or yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> that's the theme park. Well, but we go here and we feel sad. Th- those <laughs> and those tend to not be very successful. There was Circus World and that, that tanked hard and, you know, Ringling Brothers had Circus World. And, I didn't even you know, know about that. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, you know, decades ago. Um, I'm curious about the Harry Potter thing. Like, I, it seems like you're placing an awful lot of faith on the fact that people will care about Harry Potter 30 years from now at the we have to own and operate a theme park level of well, financing. No, but, well, that's when you rip it out. That's when, you know, kids go, but they're tearing out Back to the Future. That's right, because no one remembers Back to the Future Is it any World of Harry Potter like a standalone thing by itself with its own sign that you park at the own place and the whole thing is it's, one? Well, it depends which one you're going to. It's just one of the sections the of, one, maybe. It's just one of the sections of Florida. It's, I think it might be, have its own section. But, I mean, you, you, these are not the pyramids we're building. I mean, a, a thing that lived for 30 years was a good investment and then you tear it down and you build the next thing. I mean, yeah. you know, there's, there's a, that's, that's fine in theme. Anything that stands for 30 years in a theme park was a huge hit. Um, how long, how many, how many years did they have that damn $6 million man Cylon attraction on the Universal Tour here when no one remembered $6 million man or Battlestar Galactica? You know, they got rid of the, both those things. Like Battlestar Galactica had almost come back by the time they got rid of the <laughs> Battlestar Galactica attraction. That had been sitting there since the 70s. Well, that's just how Battlestar Galactica do. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, 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 and having been in on a bunch of these and having been in on a bunch of concept, you know, and walked around a whole lot of foam core models of other movie based worlds that didn't get greenlit and get the plug pulled. And they said, yeah, you know, I don't think it's worth doing. Um, it's loads of fun to kind of sit around and, and I always, you know, the concept, the concept phase when you can think of anything and build anything is always the most fun. But when, when your stupid idea, have to, you have to actually dig a foundation and start pouring concrete, it gets messy. That, that year where you wear a hard hat is, is the hard part, but um, still kind of fun and, you know, amazing to be part of. And then been in on a bunch of that stuff but uh, <laughs> eraser headland yeah there you go that might be a little bit, <laughs> the, a little bit the much. people suggesting worlds uh, yeah requiem for a dream world deliverance lands the part where you the part where you go through Dude, the, deliverance land is a real place you can go to Appalachia whenever you yeah, want deliverance land is kind of it's 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 an unfocused kind of a theme it's the park. blue ridge <laughs> mountains just go um, it's just Appalachia and it is kind of funny how, how you know to see some of the concepts that get discussed and developed quite extensively and then, yeah, no, you know, the management goes, no, we're not going to sink $500 million into, Turns build, out, into building that anymore. Um, there so, wasn't My Little Pony Land worth of exactly. money in the idea for My Little Pony Land. Never mind, you know, that stuff. And, and then the other stuff where you go, wow, they really went for it. And, you know, boy, I bet they're sorry now. But um, it's, it's, it's really fun to say the most, the most fun, the most fun is to sit around in a theme park design studio 
and just think of shit you can do that has something to do with Harry Potter. I mean, that's the most fun ever. I mean, before, Green God's roller coaster. Before we, before we broke all your hearts by turning Back to the Future into the Simpsons ride, yeah. there was an extensive brainstorming session where me and a great many other people said, what can we turn Back to the Future into? And literally anything was up for grabs. You know, what could we do with Back to the Future? Our limitations are it has to vaguely be like Back to the Future in terms of what's already well, built. Well, in terms of the building can't be but torn down. We're what not going, new wallpaper can we put on that? We're not going go. as far as... It's still going to be a simulator. It's, you know, the, the machinery is going to be the same. It's still going right. to be simulators in a dome running a movie. But Simpsons seems like such a weird idea. <laughs> like, I can imagine it getting said. I can't imagine it getting chosen. That's that so was specific the, that and weird. to be the winner. I went all in on a War of the Worlds. I, was, I, mm. I pitched War of the Worlds. Oh, dude. I pitched because they had War of the Worlds going at that time. So I... I, I Wrote, uh, I wrote an extensive treatment for how uh, we would do a War of the Worlds attraction in there. And it's all about how oh, you, start, you start and the attack happens and then you have to go into the little room and the aliens are trying to get you so you have to run to the escape vehicle and then the ride is the... And you then know, you get picked up by the thingy and go in the Exactly, and all that shit goes Dude, on. that's... And it was all going to be like, you know, haunted house stuff. Like, you know, the thing was going to try and come in the door. You're in that little tiny yeah. room and it's trying to break in from outside and you have to flee to the next room. And it was going to be like, you know, dark ride stuff. Um, awesome. I got some traction with it, but, you know, obviously didn't go that way. Kind of went the other but, way on that one. Yeah. <laughs> turns out Simpsons turned out to be the thing. But uh, but that's, you know, that's loads of fun. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the greatest things to ever get paid for is just to sit there and think of cool stuff and draw pictures. Um, I recommend it if you can get it. As someone who doesn't really visit theme parks often, um, my opinion of movies and theme parks going forward is if I care about the movie and happen to be at the theme park anyway, I will probably go to that part of the theme park. I don't actually feel strongly about this. I will say I just uh, uh, did, finally succumbed and did Star Tours when I was at Disney World. Oh, had you never been on Star Tours? No, I've been on the, the old the new one. Star Tours. I haven't one. done the new Which I've one. Never, I haven't been to Disneyland since they had the new Star Tours. I haven't had the play. Are you still maintaining your boycott? I, I, haven't done, I haven't done it yet. Yeah. No, wait. Didn't I do it? I don't know. I can't remember. I remember <laughs> oh my you, God. you You. Yeah, no, I took a strong stance. I did, yeah. yeah. I took a strong stance. I think I did. Yes, I did. I went on it. Sorry, my memory wow. My memory's shit. I've never had a good memory. Yeah, I've been on it. Wow. Like right. Half of your identity was wrapped up in whether you were or weren't going to go on the new Star Tours. <laughs> yeah, five point. years ago. Yeah. At this point, was, yeah, I remember thinking it was good. That's good right. ride. Good ride. Fun ride. You know, obviously, like I had, I had, I cared more about the first one. So, I, you know, I don't really have strong opinions about this one. Now that it exists, it, it was fine. It was a good ride. Like people did a good job on it. I just don't care about it as much necessarily. <laughs> because it took the one I did care about. <laughs> I, I, I have to say that I enjoy, no matter what the franchise is, really, it doesn't matter as much. I just like a good execution of it. I like it, I like it you know, like, I think, and someone, someone's mentioned that, um, <laughs> Star Trek The Experience is one of the most successful I've ever seen. Is oh, really? The Vegas one is Star Trek I just, The Experience. Is I just like the impressive. phrasing, Star Trek rides are the cheapest, you just have the writers shake in place. Like you don't even shake the the attraction, you just tell them. Have everyone like wobble. Okay, that was Just shake yourselves in your chair. There you go. The Star Trek Experience, which I guess is gone now, it's no longer. I didn't know there was a Star Trek ride. Yeah, it's not just a ride, it's the Star Trek Experience. It's quite something. Um... I programmed the, the simulator ride for it, but um, they had the whole thing where you, you, you start, that the conceit was that you start at a, in a Star Trek and you go through a Star Trek museum, a for real Star Trek museum on your way in. That's the line. And then it's like, welcome to this recreation of the yabba, baba, baba. And then there's a 
they do a whole magic trick on you, the audience, where the lights go out, and seconds later the lights come up, and you're on a transporter pad that you weren't on when the lights went down. The entire room changed as if you've just been beamed aboard the starship, and from then on, everyone treats it like it's real, like, holy shit, these people from the past have been beamed aboard because of transwarp yada yada, and we're being attacked by Klingons, and we're fucked. And we have to get these people back to their time period. That was the thing. That's a great idea. And That's you awesome. got taken aboard the bridge, which was a perfect recreation of the next-gen bridge. And the thing that was amazing about it was all these people who were, this is, you know, just summer student, you know, they could, be, they could have been working at the, at, the Safeway, at the subway, or they could be putting on a uniform and going, right this way, everyone. The, the whole thing depends on them being <laughs> plausible, yeah. you know, and being good at this. Really, really in your face, acting as if you are like they're they're living it. That's cool. And but the but the magic trick was phenomenal because you're walking in and there's this tour guide going, and here's the thing with the and then there's like spark, 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 lights go out, and they did this amazing. The whole room has all this change or zang with all the you know, and, and suddenly you're in a transporter room when that's, the lights come back up so five cool. seconds that's later. Really cool. And then everyone's like, oh fuck, and uh, and the and the simulator part which is the end of the attraction is uh you're on a shuttlecraft that goes through the wormhole back to your own time so um all all i was involved in was the was the the making of was the programming of the simulator part but the rest of it was like i was like you guys this is the, you know because i was working for the people who built the thing i was like this is awesome you guys this is great that should have come up in the episode where it's like things you're oddly proud of that you've worked on i you know i'm Barely remember that. That was yeah, one of the. I saw. We were talking in the other episode. I was about clips of stuff. I saw. I was like, "Oh, that's right. I did that Star Trek one." Because they already had been kind of programmed already, and they brought me in as like you know the gunslinger. There's that guy who like is the guy who you get uh-huh. to program your rides because I was that guy by that point. And they flew me out, and I spent like a weekend kind of tinkering, you know, blessing it, and uh, and blessing then it. went on my way. I peed on it, left. Yeah. Did, did you smash a champagne bottle against the hull of the in, shuttlecraft? In, in spirit, yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. Uh, but anyway, what I'm getting at is, is you know, obviously I like Star Trek. I, I like Harry Potter. I'm not tremendously invested in Harry Potter, but, you know, I, I don't have any attraction to Pirates of the Caribbean before it was movies, and, um, and before it was movies, there's a dandy restaurant in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, yeah. Where, you know, you're sitting there on a bayou and there's electric fireflies and, and I, it's awesome. For know? a long time, I thought those were fake people, by the way. Yeah. For a long time, I thought they yeah, were animatronic you, people. You can't actually get Somehow there. eating at a fake restaurant. They're restaurant. surrounded by water. No yeah. one can do that. No, can't you explain can, that. You can, can totally water? go to that restaurant. So Is anytime, that the one at Disneyland? Because yeah. it's not at yeah. Disney World, right? No. No, no but at Disneyland, like, when you like, start the ride and end the ride, you're like, go, there's a moat and then over there, there's a bunch of people eating and it's just a restaurant that you can go to if you know how and I never did. Yeah. And it's it's perfectly good restaurant. Smells a little of chlorine in there because yeah, it's a little, you're it's in a little a giant swimming pool that's obviously been sanitized. But um, it's very you know cool. Anyway, it's, it's just if you do a good, the word is immersive. We use the word immersive. You know, a good, thoroughly immersive, believable, whatever it is. I you know I always give points for that. You know, I was like, yeah. wow, that was pretty awesome. I really felt like that was happening. That was really cool. Or just the fact that I like walking down Diagon Alley and I can walk in here and get a butterbeer and it's kind of badass. I think that's cool. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, the answer is yes, I would go to Wizarding World of Harry Potter just because I want a butterbeer. Didn't have to build a theme park, but thanks. I'll go anywhere to get a butterbeer, but that's, it just sounds so awesome in my head. Anyway, all right, next question is, have you guys ever done one that's only about fight scenes? I guess the LCC judging, but I'd love an episode just about best, worst, et cetera. 
Um, no, and that's a good idea for an intermission, but we would need Eddie yeah, and Mike. But none of the people here, and, and they're not here. Yes, would be the ones to do that episode. Next, what makes a good adaptation? Because there's good and bad movies of both slavish and loose adaptations. Well, the response would generally be the same thing that makes a good movie. Yeah. Um, that's the tough. There's, there's no good answer to that one. I wonder. It's, is it, is it, there a trend between all the good adaptations? It's that they, it's that they decided to make a good movie. Like the, that they're good movies. It, the thing that makes that a good adaptation made, is deciding that the movie's more important. Yes. It's that they made the changes or didn't make the changes that needed to be made or not made. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing is, is you have to, as uh, we, told, we told the story on some episode or other about the, when William Goldman was adapting a book and he just was stuck on it. He was trying to, and, and his, he called a writer friend in and the writer friend said, you know, said, okay, I'll help you work this out. And Goldman said, okay, so here's the thing in the book. There's this guy, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and he's estranged from his daughter, and now he's in this predicament. And, and his writer friend said, well, he has to, obviously he has to go, go to his daughter at this point, right? And Goldman says, yeah, but see, that never happens in the book. And his friend said, well, the book is what's ruining your movie, so let's just have him go to his daughter, because that's what should happen right at this point. I mean, you know it. You're just not doing it because the book didn't do it. But you know that's what happens right now. Yeah. And so it's all about you know, how this book takes basically his script has the setup of the book, like, ooh, what a cool idea, and then tells a very different story based off of that idea because the book just didn't really feel like it was going to work as a movie story. And like you were saying, knowing that versus, you know, Watchmen's pretty solid. Let's not mess with it that much. Yeah. You know, that's just someone has to make that call. Yeah. And you just hope they make that correctly. It sounds like necessarily a slavish movie adaptation from a big book is probably going to have a hard time just because slavish means comprehensively including everything, but books are big. Yeah. So they're longer than movies. When you have the impulse to be slavishly adherent to your source material and your source material was written by fucking Tolstoy. Yeah. You, you, you either have a 900 hour long movie or a movie where you tried to be slavishly to it, but you just couldn't do it. And you just, it's just milk toast because you didn't get the details in, but you also had to. So I'll tell you a, a recent example. You actually, I, just, I guess the answer is you have a better chance of doing a good movie by not being slavish. Yeah. Just because there's no way to be slavish and put an entire movie and throwing it out where possible, put an entire book into a movie. An example, a, a, a unfortunately negative example is um, I just revisited it recently. I watched it a while ago, and I was like, oh, I haven't watched that in a while. I'll watch it again. Is um, am I the only person who actually has seen the movie Ender's Game? Did anyone else? I saw see it. The I, movie? I liked it. Fine. I saw yeah, it. it's fine. It's perfectly fine. It's much better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the problem I I thought the first time, and I thought when I rewatched it this week, is. It's trying to do too much. It's trying to get too much in there. Yeah. And so it's like, there's the brother and the sister and the thing and the thing and the thing yeah. and the thing. And, the, and, and there's on like, Earth and there's back. Yeah, there's Earth and he goes back and it's like, and, and it all gets so truncated. Yeah, that I agree with that. It was like, if you, you should have done less. I mean, yep. you should have just, I think you probably just should have ignored the brother and sister. Just yeah. forget that part. It's all about a kid who goes to space. Holy fuck. And learns to be a leader, and the rest of the stuff happens. I mean, I could have also stood for that movie to be twenty or thirty minutes longer, but I was into it more than most people seem to be. Yeah. But I thought the pro- the problem was there was more details than there was running time. Yeah, and it could either be lose details or add running time. I could see, I could, exactly. I could happily that, go either way. That would way. be the opposite answer. But yeah. my, my, I could happily go either way on that. One. My, but we're saying the same thing. We we both go. There's there was right. too much. Right, right. There was too much fertilizer. There was fifteen pounds of fertilizer in a ten pound sack. Yeah, and it, and, it, and everything was rushed, and therefore nothing got the the time the, the time it, it needed. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, try- it was trying to hit as many of the points in the book as possible and just right. cramming as many of them. And it's like when you read a book or when you watch whatever, you're really only going to remember like the 20% most salient of it, right? right. So it's like, yes, I read Ender's Game. 
I really only remember maybe 20% of it. I, I pretty much only remember the pitch. The pitch <laughs> yeah. and like the and big... And the ending, you know? The, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the pitch the and the pitch, ending. The pitch, the big turning moment where the enemy's gate is down, okay? And then the ending. Yeah. And that's like, those are the big beats you need to hit. And so you, yeah, you need too. to make sure that those beats have the time that they need. Yeah. Uh, and to me, it felt like Ender's Game was trying to get so many of, so many of the beats in that it didn't spend the time on those like three you know, big things. Whereas like, really what you should do is put those in and then whatever time you have left over, sketch in as much as you can. But first yeah. and foremost, get those three, those three girders And I place. just feel like all that family backstory was the, was the, was the sore thumb. It was like this, yeah. this, the, the leanest, meanest version of that movie was it's about this kid who's either going to have a psychic break and become a psychopath or he's going to save humanity. I wonder which it's going to be. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's all by himself out there and, and let's see what happens. And, and this, that whole sort of, but my sister, and you know, it's like, you know, he can, he can have angst without ever having had a sister and a brother who beat him up and, and all that stuff. And just the idea of like, here's this kid who might, or might, might not us? survive this yeah. process. Yeah. I, th- I think that's plenty to, to hang a movie on or felt like it would have been. Um, all that brother-sister stuff is kind of like, again, that hap- that's important in like book two and book three. Yeah. But not so much important in the first movie. So, um, and there's always that problem too. That that's kind of ties into the question. It's like, how many of these things, certainly you know, Harry Potter was pretty much guaranteed once the first one did okay. Yeah, we're going to run the table with this thing and do them all. So, that, you know, Okay, so we have to set up this, and we have to set up that. So Harry Potter was certainly weighed down with how do we get in Dobby when Dobby doesn't actually mean that much for two more movies, right? And, right, you know, and things like that. Um, and, and at that point, that's Rowling's still writing the books, so exactly. they they're they're doing they, they had to do what uh, Game of Thrones, Game is, of doing Thrones right is doing right now, exactly. And and so, but at least they have someone's going. Look, yeah, make sure that you mention that and that part. Yeah it's okay if you don't talk about that. I don't know what I was thinking that day. I didn't even know what I was drinking. I was so wasted when I wrote that chapter. Um, I didn't, didn't even know where I was going with that. Uh, <laughs> write books drunk, make movies sober. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's a good general, general rule. Thanks, but, Hemingway. <laughs> All right. And then blow your brains out. Let's, let's move on. We got, uh, why are hero movies so complicated? There's no more good guys versus bad guy morality plays. Just confusing, overcomplicated plots. What changed? Is it a step backwards for something straightforward, or are movies and stories struggling to grow? And again, I ask, I'd like to see the data on that, <laughs> the assumption that that question's based on. Well, if the movies he's talking about are cowboy movies, and the movies he's talking about are happening now are Transformers movies, we can go with those. Like, well, I, are I, hero movies so... so the, the, the topic sentence is what I take. Oh. Are hero movies complicated more so than ever before, and what's the data set that we're drawing that based on? Uh, what's the plot of The Avengers? I think that's his I, question. Who, who gives a shit? Exactly. That's what he's getting at, is what I think is. Well, why, why are we adding all this like, weirdo stuff that no one really cares about, and it's just change out the, the nominal plot every time, and then it's the same movie otherwise. Like, every, well, here, okay, this time, yeah, this just, is the glowing thing I'm in this not, movie. That's the falling skyscraper in I'm going to bow out, because I just can't parse this question. Hero movies are not complicated. Campbell diagrammed them for us, and that's what everyone does. I don't think they are complicated. I don't understand the question. I don't know. I, I don't know. It sounds like he's making a distinction between black hat, white hat movies, and then super. Yeah, movies, is, is it? Well, which, is it, I, well, I don't see the word super there. I just there's, see there's, hero movies. Are there? Is there more moral ambiguity in movies today? You know, is and there? Uh, I think it's more. You know, it clearly isn't. Well, the Avengers of you know 1950 would 
the Avengers of 1950 would, but the Avengers of 1970 would not have been, would have yeah. been highly yeah, more yeah, exactly. ambiguous. So it's, yeah, response I mean, to social, honestly, you know, Again, you want moral ambiguity, look for movies in the 70s. You know, we've talked about that many times. That Star Wars was the aberration because it was a simplistic hero story. Right. And, you know, right now there is a bit of a nihilistic trend, certainly on television. Television is all about the apocalypse now. Yeah. Um, and every kind. And, and, oh, my God. And one day the world wakes up to find out that all of everyone's leg is shorter than the right leg. You know, it's <laughs> like it's all about, you know, gloom and terror and death and grief. On television, certainly. I don't know about movies, though. Movies seem to be pretty much like, you know, guy with big pecs saves everyone. Punches things. Yes. Well, right. It seems uncomplicated to me. But the, it's, I think the distinction he's honing in on, bear in mind, it's not my question, but I think yeah. the distinction he's honing in on is all that shit that happened in the Avengers or Superman that you sat through, but you can't remember it, and you just remember the pecs part, why is that there? Oh, well, that's because of fucking canon and fanboys. And trying to suck their dicks. That's why that's happening. That's what made the. That's what made. That's what made. Guardians of the Galaxy so unfortunately, Overstuffed. not nearly as good as it would have been had they not tried to tell us eighteen plot lines that they haven't made the movie for yet. Yeah. And that's what that's what keeps tripping up, the Avengers as well, is you know. That's the downside of the Marvel universe, you guys. Talk about a movie that. Well, again, that's the downside of the adaptation, and the idea of. Somebody with Avengers and with, and with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, in both cases, you had a writer-director, two separate ones. I'm not saying they're the same person. I'm pretty sure they're two different ones. Um, who has a vision and is good at what they do and did a remarkable job of carving that gigantic slab of marzipan into something that resembled a movie story. Right. But both the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy have way too goddamn much going on much of, and by the way, both of them have the same character who isn't involved in their plots who gets screen time. Um, and it's the same guy. So I think we can pretty well point to the fact that, well, that guy is one problem right there because he keeps thinking he's in these movies and isn't and gets screen time. So, well, until so he, he is five so, movies. From well, now. exactly. Yeah, but I'm I'm a, I don't give a shit. Right. As an, as an item of posterity, I currently have no idea who the fuck Thanos is. Yeah. I've seen him and in I keep multiple say, movies. And I. I and I would have said in the Ultron, future I will, but right now Ultron, we don't know. Is Ultron a thing also that besides Thanos? I don't know. Okay, I know. I know. Ultron is a word. Is yeah. Is something I keep hearing, and I don't know if that's something that's been in one of these movies yet or not. But yeah, you know, there's a guy who sits on a throne and looks at you obliquely, and sometimes he seems he's Josh Brolin's voice. That's Instead Thanos. Of, that's Thanos. That's the purple-faced guy. Okay. Ultron is going to be the villain of Avengers Two. Okay. And again. So, again, we're talking about the question of complicated... I think you're right. I think, it's, I think the answer is canon. We need to parse what, what the question means by complicated. Because if you're saying a complicated plot, well, the plots aren't complicated, but the movies are complicated because they feel like they need to get all this other stuff in that isn't the plot. And Ultron, whatever the fuck he does and whatever he's about and whatever his story is going to be someday, isn't part of any movie they've made yet and doesn't matter. And so if that's what makes the movie complicated, then yes. Then my answer is being too slavish to canon and thinking that we need a setup for a movie that you haven't made yet. Thoughts and speculation on Hullabaloo and the future of 2D animation in general. I don't, well, I'm out on this one because I don't know what that means Yeah, I don't know what Hullabaloo what is, is either. Hullabaloo? Okay, so that's three for three. Uh, <laughs> future of 2D animation. Hullabaloo. I suppose it's it's going to be a up. niche. Every now and then you'll get something coming out and... 
you know, you'll get more films about the Iranian Revolution that an Iranian filmmaker animated two <laughs> D. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's, that's that's the future. Is that what Hollow is? I have no idea. <laughs> I, did, yeah. I think the future of two D animation looks good for Flash, uh, not yeah. the character like Macromedia Flash or whatever it is now. It's, I thought Flash was dying. About it. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah. dying as a web delivery mechanism, but like Archer is animated in Flash because it's so goddamn cheap. Oh, but like 2D yeah. animation, like for instance, South Park is done in Maya, which is a 3D animating software. Yeah. So like that's all, because they're trying to make it look like construction paper on They can on, get away with a lot film. So like I would imagine that the cheap animation solution, Flash, that you can... Which stands you, for fuck layoffs, animate shit at home. <laughs> nice. And um, commer- like if people want to make cartoons cheaply, that'll be around for a long time. Just well, that's, I think that's where the TV boom in 2D yeah. is coming from. That's where, you uh, know, well, also, Adult Swim and all that shit yeah, is like, yeah, yeah we're going to make a cartoon. Yeah. I can't imagine how long, cartoon. how much longer Disney is going to try to hang. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's, an, it's an art form like anything else. You can make good and bad 2D animated movies. It's just that 2D animated movies are fucking hard. Even though they're, they're, mostly, huge they're time, mostly done with 3D right. technology. And they're now. a huge, like, time suck. And I don't know. Future of 2D animation. Well, 3D is not exactly a cakewalk, though. No, I know, I know. But in terms of, like, the, uh, twe- the uh, apparent tweakability of things, like a 3D guy has more options to be like, well, I can edit what I've already done than the guy who's just drawn 3,000 drawings today. It's like, can you make him do something else in the middle of that? No. Well, but he's drawing, <laughs> well, that's what he's drawing it on a computer. And, yeah, yeah. It's been that, honestly, for. 2D animation, it hadn't even occurred to me to think about it, but I can't, I'm, I don't have any privileged insight, really. I, just, I can't imagine it's going to be 1985 big ever again. I think we're going to have other things that are going to compete with it in its same little marketplace. I think Brian's right. It'll be a niche thing. It'll be around. It's not going anywhere. Just, yeah. I don't think There's it's going to still Europe. Europe yeah. likes to do stuff like that. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to end up being the prime animated thing, at least not for a while. It's partly, I know at least partly there's, there's a perception, whether it's true or not, that, well, the kids think that's old-fashioned. It's like anything else, like the kids won't watch black and white movies because that's, eh, you know. So it's like, just, oh, it's a cartoon, and I don't go to, you know, I want to see 3D, I want to see Toy Story. It, there's a perception that that's the thinking. Yeah. And, of course, that, that perception is always blown out of the water when someone goes, well, here's a 2D movie and it's huge and it's a you know, giant right, hit. Right, here's whatever that one, The Princess and the Frog. Yeah. All right, next one is uh, franchises. Somewhere. Should each movie stand on its own or is the overall narrative more important? Each movie should I, fucking stand on its I own. I think we've already answered that. Next. <laughs> Summer wrap-up uh, or grab bag. All right, skipping. We are, <laughs> that's a whole thing by itself. We're done. Uh, generally okay. speaking, horror movies are excellent at visceral thrill, thrills like scares and terror and shock but poor at emotional connections to the characters. Is that a case of bad writing, or is this endemic to the form of horror movies? Again, this, this is a, uh, a lovely... <laughs> a lot of agendas on display in these questions. Generally speaking, horror movies are this. Says who would be my first rejoinder? How do we answer a question that's based on a, an assumption that I, I don't know if any of us has? If but. that is true, I would speculate a reason for it is that often... Horror movies can, by and large, be cheaper because of their requirements, uh, as opposed to superhero movies. Horror movies would tend to be something that you could do for cheaper. And when you can do things for cheaper, you tend to end up in a situation where more are getting made with less pedigree and, you know, generally speaking, less specific attention than a movie that sends, you know, you spend five years working on it and $900 million or whatever. So maybe that's one way you can end up with tossed off stories. But there's a billion movies that no one ever sees that are all bad. And maybe it's just a, maybe it's just that your Netflix has more bad horror movies on it. I, you know, it could be one of those sort of things yeah. as well. Well, there's there's certainly a plethora of them. They're, I think there's, but you know, there's no since there have been excellent character stuff in horror movies before. That means that you can have excellent character stuff in horror movies. Yeah. Um, I I would venture forth an explanation. 
Maybe it's just a thing where it's closer to an exploitation film than anything else, and the people who want yeah, to see well, horror it's, movies it's, yeah, it's, it's easy aren't to watching make it, it for the characters. It's easy to make an acceptable bad horror film. Yeah, because yeah, you can yeah, at least yeah. do the tropes and and know, and it's certainly easier than an, than a bad superhero movie or a bad romantic comedy. Or, yeah, definitely yeah. a bad romantic comedy or a bad comedy in general. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I would say it, accepting the premise of the question, it's like at the end of the day, our our lizard brain is way at the bottom, so it's. It's easier to give you a, a jump scare yeah. that reaches your lizard brain than it is to give you an emotional connection with this character about them falling in love that has to go through you know the upper levels of your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like the really the really unflattering way to ask the same question would be why isn't the acting in porn better? It's like, well, that's yeah. not so often the point in porn as it is in pick your movie, French yeah. Connection. Yeah. It doesn't need to be any better. Yeah. Because that's not what that's people not what are people going to see the horror movie for. But you know, yeah. you got Sounds of the Lambs, you got other movies. <laughs> uh, Rosemary's Baby, maybe. Rosemary Baby. Exorcism. Most just, of Psycho, I would wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck, you know, there's some. It's just except for the last ten minutes of Psycho. Yeah, that was a weird ten minutes. I just saw that movie for the first time recently, and holy shit, yeah. weird ten minutes. Anyway, um, so I guess that would be the answer. It's not inherent. Well, see, it's be, there is nothing stopping anyone from writing great character stuff in a horror movie, except for the fact that endemically you typically don't need to. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. Because um, that may that's most likely not where your what your goal is. Yeah. Your ultimate goal is. No. Your goal is to scare the audience. And the and vice versa. I think you know most high class good writers kind of go. Oh, horror is kind of beneath me. It's kind of like not my. You know, that's not. It's not really. It's kind of. Oh, that's not good movie. And so what you you know when you get the occasional really really good writer who says I'm going to do a freaking horror story. Yeah. Hell with y'all. And, you know, you can get some really amazing stuff out of that. You know, some really impressive shit can come out of that. All right. This is a big question. I don't, either we'll have nothing to say about it or way too much to say about it. Mm. I was just listening to the Who Framed Roger Rabbit commentary, and I always love when you guys talk about animation. I am biased. Maybe say something about the state of animation right now. How studios other than Pixar are upping their game, how new techniques are being explored, what you'd like to see in the future from the form, and et cetera. I could see this being an, like an hour and a half long conversation or not one. Yeah. Um, or none at all. I'm not aware... Specifically, just because I'm my, the animation that I do is typically not character animation, so I don't pay attention to what animation studios are doing or how they're upping their game specifically. But I'm not aware of what they are doing to up their game specifically. Like the closest I know to something that the animation field is doing is a Pixar thing, and it's that as of Monsters Inc., they're starting to use actual like radiosity in their lighting as opposed to what they've been using previously. But that's it, and that's not really about animation. That's more of an effects thing. I don't know anything about animation, really. <laughs> Not really at all. Well, the way that I think, you know, everyone gets the software, you know, Pixar writes their shaders and everyone people write their shaders, but everyone buys the software. And, and, and so the, the days of, you know, Pixar just was so out in front because they had Lucasfilm money and, and you know, RenderMan money and things like that, where their stuff just looked better than everyone else's is mostly gone. I mean, most anyone can now pretty much yeah. get a look. And, and now you're starting, you know, it, it's now that's, Translating to more of a house look. I mean, you know, there's the Sony image works kind of, kind of house style developing versus yeah. the Pixar versus the whatever. But, but where the, the games have been raised because finally I think people got the, got the gist that like, hey, you know, it's not just that Pixar has the big render farm. It's, they it's, try. it's like a fucking story thing. That's their, that's what they've been doing. <laughs> that's their secret sauce is telling stories. And so, you know, and now we're in this weird, you know, topsy-turvy world where not every Pixar story is that great. And meanwhile, Imageworks kind of knocks one out of the park every so often, you know, or, 
Or, uh, you know, it's, who else is in the game? Uh, DreamWorks. 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 And then, like, DreamWorks well, and, and now Disney is, you know, it's Disney, animation Disney separate animation in house is, yeah. uh, you know, getting And there's, the I mean, like, again. the Lego movie, which I liked an awful lot, I think was mostly an animal logic show that was just funded by the studio, by Warner Brothers Independent, I guess. Yeah. But it was an animal logic who's usually an effects company. I think it was an effects company who did the animation in Lego movie. And maybe, I don't know, what is it? Yeah. Everyone's kind of, it's an even playing field. It's, Everyone's just catching yeah. up. I think it's Honestly, just that Pixar was subsidized by the weirdo, by for, front, the frontier people at the front of the whole thing. Yeah, but, they just were out of the gate first. I mean, you but know, now we've built cities in when 3D we were, In 1988, when we were demonstrating computer puppetry, which is now called motion capture, um, at SIGGRAPH in 1988, Pixar was there with their tiny piece of their fully computer animated short film called Tin Toy. That wasn't finished because you know that takes for you can't make an entire Tintoy's short film one, out of uh, Tin Toy's the one with the horrifying baby. And, yeah, exactly. And you know, and at the time there was DeGraff Foreman, there was Pixar, there was Rhythm and Hughes, there was you know Abel and Associates, there was there was Croyer, uh, the Croyer Films. All of us were the people who were doing computer animation, and then in the next couple of years, Pixar pulled ahead and became you know the famous one that everyone that that lay public knew about, but. You know, we were all, it was a level playing field, of, you know, up until about uh, till 88. And then uh, Pixar, you know, got the jump and, and proceeded to continue to get the jump because that meant they got more money and they got more fun. They got more attention. They got more money. They got more attention and more development. Um, so, so, but the secret sauce of Pixar wasn't, wasn't just the computer graphics. It was the fact that they had that amazing story sense that that was what got them out of the gate, I think, more than anything else. I like the second half of the question about what you would like to see from the future of animation. Like, not what you're gonna, what you'd like to. Well, what'll be interesting to I don't want to see 2D disappear. So no, I, neither do I. I would like for it to not. I, I, would, <laughs> like, I would like to always see a range of, of styles and, and techniques applied. Um, what'll be interesting to see, uh, and I haven't kept up on it lately, but to see the fallout from the, the whole wage-fixing scandal uh, thing now that's oh, yeah. been brought to light so for the people unfamiliar basically all at Pixar and DreamWorks and Sony Animation were all like all basically colluded with each other to not uh, poach each other's employees for you know uh, on a basically on an actual open market uh, and so this has been going on for several years and has recently come to light and is now a big deal uh, so I mean basically we're you know we're talking about open collusion between all these major firms, that is now no longer happening, presumably. And what that is going to mean for the, the whatever slate of movies that they're, they're, they're working on. If, if one of the studios randomly decided, you know what, we're going to have a big old pay for things year and just hire all the best artists. <laughs> yeah. Well, whether that's going to you know, change the level of quality, because we've talked about before how, yeah, Pixar used to be this you know, unassailable cathedral of quality, and, but then the windows broke and the quality has <laughs> spilled out to, into some yeah. others. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like the, raise, the rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, but we'll see, you know, if... And I have no idea. I'm completely speculating. But if that, you know, whole price collusion, wage collusion thing played a part in that, or if it will, you know, its absence will play a part in the future, or how that'll affect Good the number of the releases coming up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't no have thought of that. Well yeah. done. I think the thing, that, and it's been mentioned for, for years now already, it's only going to get worse, is that these dividing lines are starting to already just almost have no meaning anymore. It's like, is life, how much less of a cartoon is Life of Pi than 
The Incredibles or Iron Man three, you know, versus right. you know, this, you know, or or any of these other things, you know, or or the Lego Movie. It's like even two D, as we were saying, is done on the computer now. It's almost never unless, unless you're literally a Cal Art student or you know a guy in France doing it to show you can still do it. You're not. You're literally not drawing on a piece of paper to do your two D animation anymore. Um, so you know this this whole thing is just crossing crossing over. You know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like there's live action in the animation. There's you got your live action in my animation to the point where already the you know the, the jokingly, ironically, but not necessarily really that erroneously, people are saying. How do you even know what the best animated movie is in a given year anymore? Right. When, you know, did you see Speed Racer? I mean, you know, it's like there was some live action people and a lot of animation in that movie. Is that a live action movie? Is that yeah. a live Gravity. Yeah. Gravity. Exactly. Yeah. So it's already kind of, that's artistically, who knows? I mean, it just, it just could be anything, but, but it just, it, these things are having less and less meaning because animation and visual effects are just all heading to the same vanishing point. Yeah. That's exciting. Uh, all right. I've always wanted anima- animation about adaptations, which, we've, yeah, we've covered that. Although the end of it is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, how you might differently approach adaptations of different mediums, like comics versus novels versus memoirs. Um, I think Hollywood has spoken plainly and surely that it will only ever do one biopic and just change the per people year. who's in it. No, but like, this, like stylistically. It has, it has to be a black guy. It's always, a, yeah. Who just, overcomes adversity. Either I, baseball or slavery. Yeah. <laughs> Dewey Cox, basically. Yeah. Uh, but we've already talked about adaptations, so there you go. Uh, and also, we've talked about what kinds of movie trends are you tired of, and what would you like to see next from the industry in general? <laughs> well, tired of superhero movies, yeah. or at least those being the only option. What I'd like to see more of is, you know, fucking the 1970s shit that no one's going to make. Independent production companies will make. Not, you know, Universal Studios. Universal Independent, maybe. You know, that kind of shit. I, you know, just little movies with stories and fewer exploding skyscrapers. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, what I would love to see, you know, now that the technology is progressing to a point where it's, you know, more, more feasible for anybody to grab a copy of Maya and, and hack it out, is for just smaller, more random movies to, to have a grander scale. So if somebody has 10 bucks and they want to make a movie, it does, they're not necessarily confined to their living room. To you know, my dinner with Andre production levels that they can, they can have a spaceship or or whatever. Uh, well, I think and that we get more experimentation <laughs> in that level. I'd argue that well, that's the problem. I someone needs to write some movies without any fucking spaceships in them for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a fucking spaceship, so it's like, hey, you know, we used to have movies with virtually no spaceships in them, <laughs> and those were good too. Well, I like spaceships. I know, and so. I like spaceships too. Maybe one spaceship, but can we have one movie that maybe, what if it's just a car, and it's just a regular car, and it's just people in a car can doing something. Can the car something. go to space? No, the car cannot uh, go see, to space. You, you lost me. The car can't go to space today. So there can be a space car movie. But how about we tell somebody to make one movie with no space car in it? Try and struggle with the limiting concept of no exploding space car in your movie and see if under that horrible crushing load that you could still tell some sort of filmic story. Um, 
don't, I don't think it's possible. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's like that a hy- crazy. I'm putting it out like a hypothetical. Clearly, I'm speaking hypothetically. So the movie you're working on right now, does it have a space car in it? It has yeah. a space car in it because I'm going for a certain market. <laughs> in the con- no, no <laughs> don't fucking chuckle at me, Jake Hall. <laughs> I'm going for the market that eats that crap up. I know you are. <laughs> so there you go. But we're talking about what we want to see in the industry. I'd like to have someone give me $200,000 to make a non-space car movie, but I don't know where that person is yet. I need to make the 200000 space car movie. And have it be a billion dollar hit so I can pay for my own non-space car movie. That's the only way that works nowadays. Unless you have a festival, darling. That's the other way of going. In the chat. I mean, you can't do that. Doc made the point. On the contrary, it's now easier than ever to see those movies. Of course, you're just seeing them on Netflix. Exactly. But it's not easier than ever for those movies to make any money. Yeah, they're not going to be like in theaters everywhere across the country. That's the missing piece. The long and short term effects of Guardians' success. Pros and cons. I, 20 bucks... Guardians has zero effect on no, anything. It's it just it can it continues. It is close the industry enough. is doing exactly yeah. what it should be. They're all patting themselves on the back and they're going to keep doing it. Guardians is a good one, uh, but it's close enough to what the industry's already been doing that I don't think they're going to go. Oh, they did something differently there. I'm going to accidentally steer this giant metal spider, yeah, exactly. uh, like one degree differently. I think they're going to do the same. No, thing. Not, maybe yeah. maybe. Three years from now, we'll see a big superhero movie where there's more 70s pop songs in it. But like that would be the biggest change, yeah. I think. The, I can't imagine Guardians changing is, anything. The difference is that now they're going, to, they're going to go, oh, good. We don't have to offer all of these to Joss. We can offer it to the James Gunn guy as well, and he yeah. can make them happen, too. Well, between those two and Brian Johnson, shit's exactly. about to get real cool. Exactly. We'll see what happens. But you know, I don't think Guardians is going to change anything because I don't think they... Those that, nothing, those that would have the ability nothing, to change the movement of the industry yeah. will notice the distinction about Guardians. If yeah, Guardi- Guardians is great, but it's not actually that different from everything else. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a good one of them. It's yeah. got a little more of its tongue in its cheek, but not that much. Which is not great, as much and as that, it feels just, like. that by itself is refreshing. Yes, it, yeah. You know, that's agreed. what made it like, you know, it's like, okay, if we have to have superhero movies, at least they can bend the cookie cutter shape a little bit and have yeah. a little more edge to this one and have a little more fun with it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a perfect, it's a perfect blend of sensibility and product because again, you know, I think, I think anyone could, you know, who is willing to go, there's a raccoon and a tree and a green, gr- I think we can have a little fun with this one. I think we yeah. can, you know, and, and to be given the freedom to do it and, and to do that, that's great, you know, and that's, but it's not affecting the industry. It's just like how lucky a son of a bitch is James Gunn right. that he had that opportunity. Good and, he, and he got to pull it off. Good yeah. for you, James. You know, well played. Uh, we, again, another adaptation question. Ever since the Harry Potter movies, every book ever has been made into a film. So it's certainly on people's minds. How do you choose to adapt a particular book? Well, that's not a question that anyone whose opinion about it really matters ever gets asked, or at least certainly not us. Like we don't get to pick the movies that yeah. we're making a movie. Although that can go if only into they the next, would. that can go to the next question. Why does every movie set in space have to be a thriller involving the mysterious entity slowly killing off all the explorers one by one? Why can't we have real sci-fi like uh, Gravity so, and so Interstellar gravity. And, and again and yeah. Interstellar and yeah. again the, again this, this premise, premise comes wrong, from right. comes from if someone's Brian if you could, if you could uh, choose a book series to be made into film that was set in space, what book series would you choose? Uh, reading that question, the one that jumped out at me, and I wouldn't do the whole series because on average the series sucks, but I would love to see a rendezvous with Rama movie. Ooh, that uh, would be very interesting. I, Old Man's War would work. Old Man's War would I be good. I think Old Man's War is happening. Uh, oh, is it? I still, I still, I don't want to see. in development. I don't want to see. I want to do still, uh, the, the Mars trilogy. Red, green, blue. Red, green, blue Mars. Um, 
there's uh, there's other examples. Uh, I'm sure. Um, but the reason that they're all that just, is I, because Alien worked, and then every time they keep making that movie, it keeps well, yeah. My question is like, what what is the recent example of the thriller about the mysterious entity slowly killing off the? Is that Europa one, one about that? Yeah, there was a paranormal activity. There yeah. was a Which, Apollo well, 18. Well, that isn't though. Apollo That's 18. not what that's about. That's not what Europa Report is about. I never saw it. Um, the answer is because people see that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah, but no, the yeah. answer is your, your question is wrong. Well, but, but it ties into, well, you're just talking about a cheap-ass horror film that they just happened to put it on a spaceship. You know, that's like, again, that's the low-hanging fruit. It's like, well, yeah, a monster and everyone. I oh, mean, Prometheus, too. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. So that. Apollo 18. We'll, we'll see what happens with Interstellar. How about that? We'll wait until that. Exactly. Moment. But in the meantime, we've had Gravity. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and uh, well, in that movie, Gravity picked off everyone one by one until it was just her. That's, that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> there was just only one other person to pick off. Well, uh, so it took, so it was very right. slow, felt very slow paced. Yeah. They All right. Picking him off. As, this is from the forum now. I've, I can tell because the font changed. Ah. As morbid as it sounds, uh, Robin Williams, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, that Joan was. Rivers. Those were both. No, Joan Rivers. At least Joan Rivers was had, had forever and died of old age and was old. Robin <laughs> killed himself and Philip Seymour Hoffman accidentally himself. accidentally killed himself. Yeah, I, I can't tell you. You know how you would supposed to feel about it. Probably how you felt about it is probably how we felt about it. Really, really huge yeah. bummer. Bummer. Big, big fucking surprise for both of them. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah. That was the thing. The fact that you like know, just like, like what? Like you check yeah. your newsfeed, you're like what? Yeah, it's the yeah. same, it was the same way that, when Michael Jackson died. You're just like, yeah, didn't that, see that, that coming. Can't have happened, right? Yeah, Joan Rivers. You're like, okay, well, well, she yeah. was like, she was That's in a coma for like a couple of days before, and then exactly. she like, was That's on the roof playing, and then they took her to the vet. <laughs> you, you don't just like say that she's dead. You you you, know, you space it out. You like give me a chance to get used to it. I like how in the previous question uh, we had a little bit of a delay going now because we've been broadcasting for so long. But Doc Seb was like, "Guardians of the Galaxy is set in space." This yeah. question's absurd. <laughs> um, kind of a special case yeah. there. I saw, I saw, I did see um, the Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, um, the new one. Yeah, fucking, I forget what it was called, but uh, and he was great in it. And it sucks because it was like a really excellent Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. And you know, the thing you take away from it is just, yeah, fuck. There's a bunch of really good movies that are still going to be fine, but I liked him. Yeah, I I will say Robin Williams is death hit me and stuck with me in a way that yeah. most celebrity deaths do not. That's that really that can't that, have happened. That that, that that one grabbed that onto me for can't have ha- that a just solid felt like week. Wow, or just felt shitty. Yeah, that should not have happened. Yeah, it was a bummer. You know, big bummer. But nothing really else to add to that except you know there are suicide hotlines and yeah. be careful around heroin. And try to yeah. get listen to it, yeah. I try mean, to get your neurotransmitters from places that are regulated. There's, yeah. there's nothing to say other than if you need help, get help. There is help. There is always help. And if you feel in a similar situation, go and get help. A most wanted man. Unless, Thank you. Unless Doctor. you're totally fucked, in which case you should go for it. Yeah. In that case, why? Why not? <laughs> because I mean, come on. Life's a- life's not for everyone. <laughs> Dark. All right. I have also been wanting a choreography episode, which, like we said, uh, when Eddie and Mike are here, we'd yeah, be happy. And Anthony totally and those Eddie guys. And Anthony. I will take that week off. Yes. Based on a thread of tools for cheap filmmaking, it might be fun to discuss filmmaking on no budget, <laughs> tools, resources, etc. Though this might be more of a thread topic, but it might inform amateurs around here. Well, we did a gear. We did a gear. We did a gear episode back when. for like, what would you like on, on your small budget? If they, you know, I agree that would be a good thread to sort of collate. Little, like basically you're talking about like the $14 Steadicam and shit like that it sounds like um, which is a real thing it really works the trick to Steadicam's 
under $100,000 is just get good at walking. That's the trick. I yeah. swear to God. The answer is unless it's a big old like neutral buoyancy floating arm thing, the trick to steady cams is mostly be excellent at holding a stick. Yeah. yeah take a dance class. Yeah. Or marching band. Yeah. Um, but or, yeah. Or just carry a camera around a lot and learn how to just keep it balanced and smooth. And There. Wait. Hold on. That's okay. <laughs> That's an example of a no budget filmmaking tip. You're yeah. welcome. You can... The trick to a Steadicam is, and bear in mind, I'm not saying Steadicam operators have an easy job. The trick to basketball is to put the ball in the hoop. I'm just saying yes. that, that's not an equipment skill. It's a figure out how to do it well skill, but you don't have to spend money on equipment particularly to get a greater result. Someone who is excellent at Steadicam could probably get 90% of the job done with the camera taped to the top of a lamp. Like it just, it's the walking thing. Other, like no money, like the answer isn't money. Filmmaking things don't really come to mind. Use what you have. Yeah. yeah. I used a vacuum as a dolly once. There you go. For, Wheel, a, for yeah. a little, little wheelchair. Wheelchair. Yeah. Skateboards. Um, yeah. And they, you know. Use what you have. Rebel but, Without a Crew is still, you yeah. know, if, if, if you want one resource, it's Rebel Without a Crew. And take the, the core lesson from it, which is like, what do you have and what can you do and make that movie? You know, figure out what, what that movie is. What, what is the thing you can make from those component parts? Yeah. You know, whenever I see a movie, it doesn't matter. It's secondary whether the execution is great. Whenever I see someone come up with a idea where I go, that's a genius low-budget idea. Yeah. I always, I always give them props for that. Sometimes the execution thereof is great, and sometimes it's really disappointing. Like, oh, dude, you had it. You had that right in your hand. You could have nailed that, yeah. and you blew it. Um, but a really good, you know, like, like, you know, I don't know if the movie about that guy who's buried alive with a cell phone is any good, but genius idea, bro. Oh, yeah. I saw that. It was good. That's amazing. That was good. Um, buried. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds. You know, good thinking. I, you know, I think, uh, although it was a bigger budget production than any of us have ever done, really, but I, I want to see the um, the Drive movie or whatever it's called. Uh, uh, with Ryan Gosling? No, no, no. The one that just came out with um, Tom Hardy, where it's all him in a car for for ninety minutes. I didn't even know that was a thing, uh, but that know. sounds awesome. Oh, it's great! All right, here's my pitch. Tom Hardy. Oh, Greenlight. It's no, it's, that's it's, me. It's, it's on. Head. It's on iTunes right now. It's it got a theatrical release. It uh, it's it's him in a car for ninety minutes talking on his car cell phone. That's the movie. I could see that working. Yeah, apparently it's great. He's the only person on screen the whole time. And, uh, yeah. And uh, they did it in real time over successive nights. They just did it every night. Yeah, so that's the uh, real... That's the best tip we can give you for your no-budget movie planning. Yeah. You use your not-getting-paid-time to come up with an idea that is fucking awesome that you can do for free. Yeah. That's how you and do it. And then you just have to do it really well. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. The biggest trick isn't the Steadicam shoot or anything else like it. It's come up with an idea that you can pull off excellently for no money, and then you don't have to try to figure out how to make a fucking green screen shoot happen on no budget. Yeah. Just figure out, you know, the movie to make. Lock. Thank you very much, Doc Seb. It's called Lock. L -O Lock. L-O-C-K-E. It, uh, I think it's on iTunes already. I think maybe not rentable yet, but uh, hmm. it's on. And the last question that we got, the 80s action movie. It's Rise and Fall. For a brief period of time, action movies were, if not great, fun. Why did that start and why did that end? That began in uh, 1980 and ended in 1989 when there were no more 80s. Oh, I see. Then the 80s action movie could not get made anymore. I agree. Because we didn't have any more S 80s. Damn stupid studios. What about the 90s action films? That, well, the 90s action films started almost immediately after the 80s action films <laughs> and ran for almost a full decade until around 1999 they stopped making those. Damn. Damn studios. It's really specific. Yeah. 
they know. ought to make different kinds of movies since then. I don't watch action movies much, and I'm not super familiar with the 80s action movies in general, but it seems to me like they still make uh, quote-unquote fun action movies. Like, J- Jason Statham's in movies a lot, and he does those, right? And mm-hmm. there's that Pierce Brosnan one that just came out the other week. And, you know, it seems like... like and then there's, the, then there's the... Yeah, well, What's there the distinct... Uh, so, like... Well, now they're trying to do... Obviously, they're trying to capitalize on it. Maybe this, of course, might be motivated by the, the Expendables, which apparently the new Expendables by folks who actually bothered to try and see that movie um, isn't even good by Expendables standards, yeah. from what I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but then there's some other movie that... that what movie came out? Well, Dread was one fairly recently, but hasn't something just come out recently where they go, yes, that's... They've recaptured the spirit and fun Attack and wackiness the, the block? Of, of the 80s. Yeah, there's that one, but uh, I guess Guardians of the Galaxy has a touch of that. But yeah. It feels like there was some movie recently, very recently, where someone said, yeah, finally, that's, that's how you make a fun action I thought movie. I felt that way about White House Down. I thought White House Down was a perfect diehard. Um, I think I saw that. That was the I one. That, I can't actually. remember which that, one of those I saw. That was the one yeah. with Channing Tatum, not the one with uh, Two-Face. Uh, Aaron Eckhart. Uh, the one yeah. that had Aaron Eckhart was the other one. Okay. I'm talking about the one that didn't. I saw one of them and I still don't remember which one of those it was. <laughs> uh, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx Fox and Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was okay. the one I like. What we, um, so they're still making it. Doesn't one of them have this, the 300 guy? Gerard yeah, Butler. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Gerard Butler. That must be Olympus is, is that the one? With, that must be yeah. Olympus is Fallen. That's the one I saw. That's Gerard yeah. Butler. Oh, you saw. Oh, man. Of the two. Right? Uh, you saw the wrong uh, one. <laughs> I don't think Gerard Butler was in the White House down. I saw both. No, I didn't see Olympus is Fallen. <laughs> Whatever. They still make action movies and typically like White House Down was fun. And they're Guardians very was decent fun. apparently. Yeah. Um, Attack the Block. I, bear in mind you're also there's a, there's a, like an like a oldies radio station thing happening here with the logic of you, you don't you, like incidentally the 80s had a bunch of action movies that were fun in addition to the thousands that sucked that yeah. no one remembers. It, yeah. And it also ties into the previous question about too much of a good thing. Yeah we had a shitload of those movies in the 80s. And you remember the different you, combinations you remember, of cops. You remember Die Hard and you remember Lethal Weapon for a reason. Yeah. Just like 20 years from now, people are going to go, you know, they don't make those superhero movies like they did in the 80s. Well, two things. That's all they fucking made in the teens. Right, that's why they don't make them anymore. They and, ran out. And did you know that there were three different Hulk ones and only one of them didn't suck ass? Really? There was more than one? Oh, yes. But you didn't you don't remember those. Because you weren't born yet, and no one's watched them since. So you, <laughs> so you think that all the hero movies from the aughts are good, but that's because... Oh, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Boy, I... Oh, The Raid? Something last... Sorry, we didn't look at the chat. Well, yeah, The Raid, the raid and then The Raid 2 is... Yeah. Uh, In any case. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have to say, not to open a can of worms, but I only made it halfway through Snowpiercer. If it gets good later, God bless it, but I, I turned it off after half, I haven't halfway, seen halfway in. I want to see it. I heard good things. I just haven't seen it yet. So yeah, we've reached the end of our questions that were asked formally. And <laughs> cool. <laughs> so thank you for the fashion. suggested inter- intermission topic. Did we, we, we did filled a good hour there, didn't we? With, we did. Uh, with our non-committal dismissive answers. Yeah. <laughs> At least I mean, I, I know I did it's my part stuff. of that. Um, yeah. So maybe <laughs> that was fun. Although seeing as how like nine of the questions were the same question, maybe we only have one or two of those in us. We could in let the this be one of the lost episodes. Did they do one where they took questions? Yeah, but they've never they released it. Never Why can't podcasts here in the 2030s be as good as they were in the 2010s? Well, there was a shitload of podcasts in the 2014s. And uh, <laughs> there were these one. History will only remember two of them, and they're both Kevin Smith. Yeah, this one bunch of yabos would do one every week, if you can imagine. They would talk about a movie every week. Yeah, Answer questions from Twitter and just generally sit around. Sometimes they just talk about stuff as if someone would listen. 
Speaking into the empty, empty, empty abyss. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> I'm with Trey on Snowpiercer. Rob did not, apparently, Rob and I share a lack of love for Snowpiercer. Oh. Beastmaster, Red Sonia, and Commander. Yeah, there okay. you go. See, yeah. It's like the B team of 80s action. Like, I got to tell you, though. Schlocky, but still entertaining, yes. If someone made one of those at a big studio level and it worked, we might go back to that for a while because like, their eyes would light up with how cheaply you can make those yeah. and still sell them as if they're like competition for Iron Man this weekend at the multiplex. Like a big. That's why I was surprised. Like, I feel like, remember there was a movie uh, where it was Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. Due Date, I think it was Due Date. Yeah. Everyone said it was right. awful. And that's great. I, don't, I never saw it. That's beside the point. I thought for a second, like before that had come out and everyone, we found out, oops, it's awful. Never mind. I was like, oh shit, that movie, you could make those sort of movies for like pennies on the dollar and just make boatloads of cash. If, if well, 90% it? of your movie is just paying for the actors you've got in it, you could make wow. Due Date if Due Date was good. Who does that? And then people would go see it because they want to see Robert Downey Jr. Well, it wasn't Due Date cashing in on Hangover? I mean, wasn't it just basically trying to be a different version I can't remember of Hangover? Which, I can't remember which came first. They both have Galifianakis on. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Due Date came after at least the first Hangover. Yeah, yeah maybe sure not the did, second yeah. or third. But yeah, in any case, they should bring back the buddy cop movies. But they did run out of everything you can combine and put into a. Well, cop then they car. did it with women, and they, it was a huge hit, which you know shockingly did not start a trend. Yeah. Um, that would be there's the answer to almost everything we said. It's like yes, great. You answered everything. Yes, now just do it with women. Try yeah. it with women. All, all expendables with women, which I think is something that's actually happening. A theme park. That's all, well, women. The theme park it, is it, all women. It was until Expendables 3 completely bombed. Yeah, probably so. Movies, like, oh, yeah, well, there's the no theater. point in doing it. With women. Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go. What kind of trends in movies would you like to see in the future? Yeah. Everything over again, but with women. What makes a good adaptation? <laughs> the same thing, but with women. How did More you feel women. about Robbins Williams dying? <laughs> Sad for the women. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has been the intermission. You can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the forum. We have all of the conversation. It's a great community of people that's growing every single week. Twitter.com slash friends in your head. Facebook friends in your head. Friends in your head at gmail.com. Oh, let's see. Yeah, there's buyer shirts. Give us money. We're not asking. We're just saying. Holden Hill Design and maintain the website. And until next time, my name is Steve Christie. Brian Finifter. More women. And this has been The Intermission. Thank you for listening. Good night. Good night. Does anybody ever actually buy a shirt? I don't think so. <laughs> Occasionally, like we've sold probably. Why don't people, we've sold why like, don't people buy shirts anymore? Because people used to always buy shirts and now they never buy shirts. You know what we need to do? Add women. It's no, we, I think we've sold like, you know, six or eight hoodies. Matt Veda has a store. He has an outlet store in Florida. That's nothing but our shit. A stack of four of them sitting there. <laughs> Marked down. It feels good not to have to prepare, though. I know. It's great to not have to do any, you know, stay up early and watch movies. Can we do that? Don't most podcasts do that? They just get together and do shit. Don't yeah. most podcasts just talk shit until they stop talking? But most podcasts, it turns out, famous people. Right. Yeah. Trendsinyourhead.com. <laughs>